extensively so. I mean, th- I, I've never done anything that is uh, almost three months long. So when it's all said and done, I'll finally be home mid-May. Okay. Um, but I've done, I've done a couple week-long runs. Uh, but again, yeah, as ex- and nothing as extensive as this, which has been since the beginning of March. We started in the Midwest, went through uh, Tennessee, Arkansas, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and then we finally hit the coast in San Diego about three weeks ago, and then snaked our way up here. Wow, yeah. three months is a bit of a—that's a trip. That is a commitment to go out. Oh man, yeah, I miss my dog. Um, my girlfriend's pissed. <laughs> it's uh, there's a lot that goes into. Um, the tour, the tour life. And, um, it's absolutely possible to, you know, still have a family and you know, raise kids, have a dog, have a girlfriend, that kind of thing back home. Um, but you do have to be used to traveling. And, uh, you know, like when my, when my band and I were putting our lives together before the run, like before we left Nashville, um, I mean, there's so many things to consider, like, okay, you're going to be gone for three months. What does that mean? What does that entail as far as your, your rent, your responsibilities in the community? Um, you know, um, taxes. I had to, I had to file a tax extension two nights ago because I was like, oh crap, here come the, here come the IRS, like reminding me that I need to file tax. So I don't, I can't do taxes from out here. I don't have any of my stuff, you know? So it's, it's a lot to get used to, but it's, um, it's fun. Um, and I hope that, you know, I, I've been saying you live and you learn right on the road. So, I mean, there's, there's been a, a, bun- a bunch of things already that depending on the city or the community we're in that, you know, you learn from it and, Hopefully it makes you a, a a better person. I mean, a better like musician and artist and all that. But hopefully it makes you a better person. So uh, we're pretty far from home, but we're we're grateful. Well, it's got to be an incredible experience, right? I mean, you're going to these different parts of the country and seeing a wide range of people exactly. and getting to play your music for them. Exactly, and and, and I think one of the goals is to, um, in despite it being in so many different communities, is we try to find that thread of your fans and your audience and your listeners. And whatever that thread is, we try to connect it. So, like, yeah, I mean, we played, we started out in Indiana and Kentucky, and then we're in Texas, and now we're in NorCal. Um, completely different cultures um, and uh, backgrounds and, and, and folks, a completely different fabric. But the folks who come out to our shows, I mean, for the most part, like, we play folk Americana country. Um, so the message of my of most of my uh, content and songs are, are, um, you know, you have, uh, are all story songs for the most part. So the message is like, okay, you, you have a, you have a life, one good life and, and hope, hope you make a, a good story out of it. Um, so all the folks that we've met out here, we're trying to build a community, right? We're trying to get folks to come out here, even, even though we're a long way from Tennessee, that, that would still enjoy our music regardless of creed or background or race or religion, right? That's got to be really gratifying in a way where you can you're from Tennessee you can write this music and you could go anywhere and people can relate to the story that you're telling for sure in in Nashville there's the there's the huge hugely commercialized aspect of the music industry which is what most people would refer to as pop country which is enormous it's a money maker right but uh you know what I work in a small record label so our resources are limited but we have i mean essentially complete creative freedom um but then when you start to build, uh, it means that you have to you have to do multiple things. Like you can't just um, rely on uh, one manager to do everything that a whole team would of like uh, 
of a Luke Combs or a Morgan Wallen. You know, they have entire departments that handle their socials. They have entire departments that handle their, their, their touring. So that's part of living and learning too that we're experiencing is like we're the small record label, essentially a mom and pop. Um, you have to do a lot of things yourself. And and I, I've been accustomed to that. I, I came up in restaurants. Um, and uh, if you weren't pulling your weight, you know, or picking up slack, then you're going to get left behind and you don't want to get left behind in, a, in the restaurant business. So, um, or in anything. Um, yeah. In so, life. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, e- even, even with, uh, with the industry, the, mach- the giant machine of, of Nashville um, pop country, um, we, we found our niche for sure. The, the industry of music kind of seems scary in a way, right? Because you almost give up your control to to hit that level or when you're a part of this giant record label it's almost like you lose a little bit of your voice in that because you've got this giant engine pushing behind you yeah absolutely i mean there's there's pros and cons to both right i mean you have a giant engine pushing behind you you can go places um a little easier too yeah you've got that thing like okay we're gonna go in this direction absolutely so if you're down to play the game and if you're down to um adhere to their sort of uh, their vibe and their atmosphere and their intent, then, you know, your agency will match theirs. And then, you know, sky's the limit. You have unlimited resources. You can buy a buy a tour van like that. You know, you can hire a band like that. You can, you can make, um, you can make thousands of dollars worth of merch right away. Um, but for us, it's like, all right, we have to, you know, we have to be very careful with our resources. We have to budget very accurately um, and it comes down to the penny. Has that been kind of a learning lesson? Learning how to partition out your resources where it is just you guys running the show? Right. It's, I mean, it's a small business. I mean, just like any other, it's a small business. And I mean, we've, we've all, um, uh, my band, myself, my managers, my label, we've all invested, right. In different ways, time, money, resources. Um, we've all invested and, uh, it takes years for some of those um, returns to start start poking out again and coming back, but uh, it's happening. Otherwise, you know, it's been my fifth, sixth year cutting records and writing songs like, and putting it out commercially. So, like, you know, if if we weren't getting signs that you know it, or signs of affirmation that this was going to be feasible, then we probably would have uh, not had the opportunities we've had the last couple of years, right? Um, and the opportunities have presented themselves and they keep coming. I'm, somehow we've managed to make it out all the way to the West Coast and play shows in, in San Francisco, Berkeley, L.A., San Diego and have 50, 60 people show up. And I've, and I've never been out here in my life. So that's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That's wild. a significant accomplishment, right? Yeah, it's wild. I mean, and of course, we there were a couple nights we've played to 15, 20 people. It just, it just depends on where you are. It depends on the marketing and it depends on the day of the week. If you're playing on a Monday, Tuesday... In some tiny little forest town, you're probably not going to get a lot of action. But if you're playing in Berkeley, San Fran, um, we, we've had, we had a party on those nights, for sure. How was the show up at HSU? Came in saying it was a pretty good time. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, those guys, uh, they had uh, reached out to us about a year ago. And we'd had ambitions about coming out west. But uh, there, there's a lot that needs to happen for it to be feasible. So we ended up um, hearing from... Uh, yeah, the, the Cal Poly folks, and, and they said, hey, can you please come out for this summer or kind of spring summer event that we have going on? Uh, and they had a pretty good budget put together. So we were like, all right, you know what? This this could work. So we ended up just throwing some other dates on, some other venues. Um, and then I had a uh, I had a booking agent 
that knows the Texas, uh, Arizona kind of area, and he booked about a month's worth of shows through that. So we ended up tacking it all together, and I've been on the road for um, almost two months. So uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a blast, honestly. Like apart from apart from a break in, we had a break in on in the van in San Francisco. That sucked. But shout out to San Francisco. You know, that's part of it, right? That's what I've understood. Nobody's surprised that 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 happened to us. And then, um, and then we had uh, some weather yesterday just getting in over one of the peaks coming, uh, coming down, but we made it, you know, in one piece. So, uh, we're, we're just trucking along, man. That almost adds to part of the fun of tour life, I would imagine, because you're just, you're out on the road and who knows what's going to (laughs) happen. I mean, yeah, you, you pray for, you pray for smooth sailing, you know. You're you're hoping the the gods of rock are looking out for you, right? But um I mean we're we're pretty we're pretty experienced. Um and we're we're at a point like I'm gonna be thirty three this year, so like I I, f- I feel like my haphazard um risk taking party days uh are mostly past. Um so and my band's the same. We're all, you know, kind of this, kind of in the same boat as far as that goes. Um so yeah, I mean, maturity I think is an important part, and respecting the whatever community you're in, like getting understanding the um, the nature of the of the vibe of whatever town or city city you're in, so that you can move fluidly through it and and not get into trouble. But you know, once in a while, you, shit happens. Yeah, and move fluidly through the tour because if you get you guys, you know, shit hits the fan when you're on tour in a city, and then you don't make your next day, kind of yeah, it screws everything up. Yeah, I mean we. And that's what's so important about uh, so important about riding out here is like so many so many great venues um, near each other. But you know, once you get the farther north you get, the more spaced out they are. So, I mean, days where we only have a two hour drive, and we get to load in early and take a break and hang out before our set, amazing. Um, there are days where we wake up, we drive, and we're immediately loading in and playing, and it's a pain in the ass. But it's 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 your it's our job now, right? This is what we do. How did you first get involved in music? I know that your mom was a pianist, and that kind of influenced you sure. a little bit. But when did you start thinking, okay, maybe this is something that I could do as like the rest of my life type thing? Professionally, um, I mean, my my buddies and I were in every band possible. Like so, growing up, I mean, I was in church church choir band. I was in um, you know jazz band at school, pet band, concert band. Um, garage bands, all the stuff. And I was, I was with some kids who were really talented and in Nashville and, uh, in high school, even we were getting gigs, um, playing at say, um, uh, our friends, parents, parties or events, um, or even playing for like the local college or, or school, you know, talent shows even. And we were, um, you know, we're doing enough to where, uh, every once in a while we make a few bucks and it's like, okay, cool. Like this is, this is, this is fun. Like it didn't think we'd ever you know, make a couple bucks doing this, but you know, we're just over here jamming, um, and, you know, in somebody's garage. And then I, then I went to school for music and I was, um, I wouldn't say burnout, but I was like, you know what? I don't know if I want to be a concert pianist the rest of my life. Uh, so I ended up dropping out of music school and I went to Indiana, uh, and studied journalism, literature, um, learned how to, I guess, communicate better, learned how to read and write better. Um, and that all lent itself definitely to songwriting. Um, and I was, I started to write more and I started to write, I guess, with a little more thought, uh, 
And it's funny because you drop out of music school and you're like, I need it. I want distance from that. And the second I move back to Nashville, I'm joining all the bands that are that are available. I'm playing piano in people's bands. I'm writing my own songs still. And um, I my, my my buddies and I in town had a pact that like if by the time we turned 30, like if there wasn't any promise of anything, like we would uh, go in on like a business together. We'd we'd start a restaurant or like, you know, um, have have some sort of other project that we could fall back on or even go back to school maybe. And uh, I I was playing at a a tiny open mic in town, uh, a place called Tennessee Brew Works, and just a tiny little hole in the wall uh, brewery. And uh, this this gentleman named Alex Torres was there eating dinner with his family. And this was like one of those places. Uh, so I don't know if they have a lot of open mics out here, but in Nashville they're super popular and there's tons of them. So this is a Monday night, and you go in at like three or four o'clock. You sign a piece of paper. Um, that determines the order of who gets to play. So we used to do this every Monday, my buddies and I, or every almost every night of the week. But every Monday we'd go to this this uh, brewery, and uh, you only get to play like two songs. So I I was in I was like I played my two songs, and then after the show, um, after the night, Alex comes down and he gives me his card, and he owns a record label, and he's interested, but I don't know him from you know anybody, and I was just like, all right, so uh, if you're interested come out to the next show. So like he came to the next one, the one after that, and I started having some showcases, uh, some proper shows instead of just two songs at a time, you know? So he came out and saw one of those where I played like an hour with my uh, dobro player, and he said, we should cut a record. So he just gave me a really basic record deal, um, and we split the profits of everything, you know, 50-50, and he, but he provides the front money to like go into a studio and hire players and hire engineers and all that. And uh, that was Farmland, which was my debut record in 2019. And since then, um, Alex Torres and I, of, of Torres Music Group, we've cut four records together. Um, and, yeah, we're just rocking. Well, how crazy is that? He's just there in the crowd. Yeah. It's, you know what? I think we should do something. You know, he, he's a, he would definitely um, call himself a, an artist developer, a developer because he was, uh, he was a drummer for many years in, in, um, in, the, in the 90s, uh, in the 80s. He played with Tracy Lawrence. He played with Leon Russell. And then when he came to town, he was raising his family in Nashville. He got a he got an office job uh, at Gibson, uh, at Sony, and then uh, something happened in his life to where he had a few changes. And about ten years ago, he just opened up his own shop. So he's looking for artists to develop. Um, and there were a couple other artists on his roster, some Texas uh, some Texas artists. And uh, so he he always he's a guy that definitely always has his ear to the ground. Like since I've signed with him, he's he's signed a couple of my buddies. He signs we've together gone in and partnered up and signed some artists that and songwriters that we think have promise, right? Um, and I love producing too. I love being in the studio just in general. Um, it's so much fun. And when you're working with uh, talented folks, which Nashville has just tons of, like every everywhere you look, um, it makes your job easier as a producer. You know, you kind of just get to. You get to, I guess, give them a little bit of direction, but you don't need to tell them to do much because they can always sing or play their pants off. You know, like it's insane. So, uh, uh, we've been—I've been working with Torres Music Group now five or six years. I've been trying to produce a little bit on the side, but continuing to write my own songs and cut records. That's what Nashville's known for, right? I mean, if you're going to go anywhere for music, it's got to be that spot. Yeah, Nashville's changed a lot. I mean, everyone's probably heard like it was like one of the 
top towns like that people were moving to in the last few years. It's a completely different town than the one I grew up in, but it is absolutely still like it's music town. Like you want to, you want to be there. If you're, if you're an artist, if you're a songwriter, if you're looking to be motivated, challenged, um, and inspired, you're, you should, you should spend time in Nashville. Different from the town that you grew up in, in the sense that it's more musically inclined or less. Uh, it's, I would, I would say probably more. I mean, just because of the volume of, of, uh, labels and artists that are there now. Um, but uh, the, the, the legacy of, of songwriters and, and, and artists that have cut records and recorded and been broken in Nashville, like, you know, come out through the Nashville scene. Um, you know, the list is incredible. Uh, and, and I say different town as in like, well, it literally is like, you know, there's new streets, it's bigger. There's uh thing, there's, uh, De- entire developments and neighborhoods and communities that communities that weren't there um, 20 years ago, right? So um, it's the progress, right, of of a city that it, in the midst of change, which there's there's pros and cons to it. There's there's a lot of fun with it. Like I, I bartended downtown for many years. I profited from that change, right, in a lot of ways. But at the same time, um, you know, I've been I've been stuck in traffic behind a, a bachelorette pedal tavern party just like late for work, you know? Um, and those are, that's just a small, like, you know, microcosm of what is good and bad about a a city's growth, but it's, it's inevitable. Yeah. And that's got to get pretty old fast, right? Mm -hmm. You're trying to get to work or trying to get home and everyone's out there just partying. You're like, okay guys, let's, let's speed it up a little bit. I mean, it's fun. Like, you know, I, I can't lie. Like if we ever have, um, uh, in Nashville as a destination town, we have, people from all over that that visit and if if we have friends from from out of town that want to come in there's always something to do right there's always a i mean besides the broadway uh mess uh the honky tonks and stuff besides the tourist stuff there's amazing venues there's great food if you know where to look um coffee shops restaurants um there's great parks there's great hiking it's a very it's a very diverse town more more diverse than it gets credit for people here in Asheville, they think um, yeah, barbecue, hot chicken, um, bachelorette parties. And it is that, but it is so much more. Yeah, you just got to peer beneath the surface a little bit. Absolutely. Do a little digging. Absolutely. In, in any town. Like, we learn that, too, when we're traveling. If we ever get more than a couple days in a place, um, um, we're always looking for the hidden away dive bar or or sushi spot or, you know, whatever it may be. Does... Being away on tour and traveling and seeing these other areas, does that help you write your songs? Because it seems like you do have that kind of dichotomy of loving Nashville and being torn with it, and that kind of comes out in your music. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, being being inspired by trying to be trying to stay inspired is the constant work of of a writer, of any writer, of any artist, right? Um, seeking inspiration, knowing where to look for it, or just being open to it. So. I mean, everywhere we go. I mean, this this. I have a record that's coming out uh, in July, and everywhere we go, uh, we constantly meet new folks all the time. And so, every once in a while, I'll I'll ha- be in a conversation with somebody, just like a complete stranger, um, and I'll hear about their life story, right? And like, there are times where I'm like, I've got to load out, I've got to go. Like, sorry, I can't stick around. But I do enjoy like when if I meet a rambler, I will let them go and just like tell me their life story or if people are dealing with stuff like as a bartender I've I felt that as well as like you know you're you meet folks who are just looking for some sort of connection 
what you know, they're lonely, whatever it may be, or they just have something they, they need to get off their chest. Uh, and so this next record that's coming out is built upon the stories of um, my my work experiences, my family and friends, um, and the experiences of folks I've met just traveling. Um, and a lot of them are profound, heartfelt, um, pretty sad. Uh, but I think it's I th- it's I'm moved by that because I think it's incredible that folks have these stories that they need to get off their chest or they're experiencing something and they're like. Man, one of them is like an Uber driver. One of them was an Uber driver in Arizona, and I was visiting my girlfriend. She was working out there, and this Uber driver just like opens up about her last like month with me, and it was just crazy. And so I, that that became a song uh, for for this upcoming record, and uh, it's it's a record. It's called "Drink the River," and it's about shared experiences, the shared human experience. Well, I think that feeling of wanting connection is is a very human emotion. You know, I think a lot of people can relate to that, having been at one point or another feeling like they don't have anyone that they can just confide in or reach out to and say, hey, this is going on or find that emotional connection with. Yeah, I think I think my goal, too, with that was, um, you know, exactly what you said is like people people are seeking connection. But at the same time, like, you know, we we live in we live in a society now where, you know, here in the States, at the very least, we're, we're more connected than we've ever been. But it does feel like there is a lot less common ground than there used to be, which I don't I don't know why, but it it, it feels like they're working they'd be they'd be working together, but they're actually working against each other. It feels like kind of so. Um, I feel like if I have a responsibility as a as an artist or songwriter to be inspired, it is to be inspired to share other people's stories and say um, bring communities together or bring a thread through a community. So like I have this song um, from from Marigold, Mississippi, about a young couple who um, who was about my age, whose uh, the husband and wife, they uh, the, the wife passed away recently, and the husband, they'd come to my shows, and, and the last show I went to, I, I played in, in Miss, uh, Missouri, or Mississippi, sorry, the last show I played in Mississippi, husband came out and told me that she'd passed, and it was shocking, you know. Um, and so I was inspired by it and wrote, and wrote a song about it, and I think by doing so, I've sort of, captured their experience there's that brief human experience in a vial or a bottle and and um and that way when i play it and sing it in new york texas indiana california i'm bringing a little bit of their story all the way from marigold mississippi out to wherever it is i'm going and and the same will happen you know elsewhere like that story in arizona or you know folks i've met out here, like if I if I sort of capture the the essence of the story they're telling, I can sort of build on that common ground a little bit more because the most common ground we have is our shared human experiences, our emotions, right? Hurt is hurt, joy is joy. It doesn't matter if you're red or blue, right? And everybody knows that feeling. Everybody does. I think you know some folks, uh, some folks refuse to, um, I guess, acknowledge that that uh, that shared human experience is is something that they're a part of i guess they they want to say they want to distance themselves from that and say you know well i still believe regardless of whether or not we all are the same in a lot of ways i still want to hang on to the differences because the differences make me feel better or something i don't know or more powerful maybe that is yeah the idea that we're all more connected today and yet it feels like we're so much less connected at the same time more connected in the sense that you could reach out and touch anybody now doesn't matter where they are in the world what they're doing, what language they speak, you can reach out and in a sense, you can touch them. Mm-hmm. 
but it doesn't feel like anybody actually knows anybody anymore. They just have this perception of people. Oh, you fit into this box. I know all about you now without ever talking to you. Or, oh, you do this thing now. I know everything about you. It's like the, the human aspect of like, really understanding somebody is lost mm-hmm. when it's through that medium of, oh, this screen or through the phone. Yeah, I think it's an attention span thing. That's huge. You know, and then, and then because of that, um, it, folks have, uh, I guess, a quicker tendency to judge. Right. Or to say, oh, I've already compartmentalized um, this personality and, and that's how I'm going to understand it because I have I only have so much bandwidth in my in my world because of because of shit like this, because of our computers, our screens, our phones. And I love my computer and my screens and my phones <laughs> so much. I rely on them every freaking day, you know, and I and and I and I use them as tools and entertainment. Uh, but not, and, and this is absolutely not a. Um, you know, we should throw it, we should blow up our TV, you know, John Prine sentiment. Um, this is, this is much more of like, okay, look, if we're, if we're, how do we use this to our advantage? How do we, how do we connect better through it? Right. Um, and, and how do we say, okay, like, like if we're, if we're, if we don't have, if we don't have, you know, necessarily a common background, like, can we at least share a brief experience in this moment of this song or this, this book or this movie or this show like, can we at least connect on on this? You know, and that can be our common ground. That can be where we start. And that's one of the beautiful things about music is that it's almost this unifying factor yeah. in people's lives where you can have differences, you can have disagreements, you could not like somebody or not like who they are, and yet you could both love this one song. Yeah, and it's it very brings powerful. you guys together. Yeah. Very powerful. And and then you get then you get the you know, the the craziness of um like do you you love an artist's music, but do you agree with their political beliefs? And then, you know, then you get into an issue of, you know, people say, uh, uh, Brent Cobb has a great song called Shut Up and Sing, right? Like, like people, people tell artists, hey, like, you know, I love your music, but all the political opinions or religious opinions that you're expressing um, through your stage, your soapbox, or, uh, or like Twitter, you know, is, um, you know, I don't agree with. But I'll still listen to your music. Um, but some people can't get over that. I mean, you know, we've got freaking, we've got the cancel culture now. So like, and that, uh, we call it cancel culture and that's kind of like triggering, but like people have always done this. People have always said, okay, like this company doesn't support something that I support. So I'm not going to use their products or, you know, or the, or, or this artist or this p- politician. Right. I mean, that's, that's, there's, there's a dichotomy that's already in place there. Um, it just keeps on resurfacing. So I think it is incredible when, when people listen to artists that they don't necessarily agree with. That means they're trying at least, you know, in some way to bridge a gap, right? Well, and the idea that they shouldn't be allowed to have a voice or to say something that's not in their music <laughs> is just kind of weird. I know. Like I know. everyone else gets that power. We can all say whatever we want and then we're going to artists. It's like, no, you need to just perform. You need to be this yeah. kind of puppeteer and do your thing and then get out. Yeah, it's 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 kind of wild. Um, it's it's dangerous. It's it's a dangerous. I think it's a dangerous time, um, cognitively. I think philosophically, people are wrestling with a lot. Um, uh, a lot of folks have completely um, dived into certain philosophies, and uh, it can be it can be a you know I, I'm I'm very slow to take anything on. I it, you know for instance um like. Well, heck, it takes me years to write a song sometimes. Or um, if, if uh, like, for probably, for, like, three or four years, I had, like, the iPhone 3, 
you know, like, and everybody had like an iPhone 10 and I still had like the old iPhone. Like I just like, it takes me a long time to, you know, move on to the next thing and accept a, a new thing in my life. Um, it talking more technology. I, I have a laptop that I have from college that's 12 years old that I still use. And so you know, when it comes to ideology, um, I only know what I was, I only know from my personal human experience, right? I can't, I can't say what anybody else should think or not think unless they're just being complete dicks and assholes. Like unless they're just wrong and killing people or something like that or committing crimes. Um, anybody else's ideology, I, I can't judge. Uh, but yeah, I guess that would be, that's where I'm, I guess I would wrap up by saying, you know, I don't be too quick to judge. And yeah, if, if artists, if art, I think artists should have the agency to, to say what they think and feel. I mean, because, I mean, as long as it's not incendiary, I think. As long as it's not, like, igniting. Um, or just anger. a hot take to be a hot take. Sure. Like, there's nothing actually backing it. They that just want to say too. this. Yeah. That happens, too, all the time. And we got, I don't know if you've seen this whole Bud Light thing. Yeah, the Dylan Mulvaney stuff. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> what kills me is the fact that people are, like, shooting the Bud Light cans yeah. and blowing them up. It's like, you already bought them. Why? What? Oh, it's incredible. What are we doing here? It's incredible. I mean, you... You look at folks, you wonder what, like, what are you doing? Like, I, I can totally understand, again, this supporting uh, a brand or uh, a figure that aligns with your views. Most of us do that. Um, but to be a moron about it, <laughs> like to, to, to purchase like, like that, exactly, to purchase a product. To support them with your, you're supporting them with your money at that point, but then you're making a show of, I guess, degrading it, you know, publicly. But you've already given them your money, like yeah, they've already so, won. It's odd, yeah, it's odd. I, I don't know, I don't know what exactly those folks, what gets them off specifically there. Um, but again, I, I can't judge. All I can do is create a community within the space of those ninety minutes where my band goes on, and we say everybody love each other, everybody understand that everyone in this. And this room has felt hurt, joy, everything in between. And we can all emote together. Like, and I, and I try to say after every show, you know, like to the crowd, I say, like, look after each other. Be good. I mean, what else can you say? You know? Well, the Bud Light thing's really interesting, too, in the sense that you are seeing the backlash come on so fast and so swift yeah. that it just it turned on a dime. People oh. went from loving Bud Light to now they're like, I'm it's never crazy. drinking that shit. It's crazy. And just... Just in like what a week period. Yeah, it just completely turned on its head. For sure. I mean, man, like we uh, Americans have always been, uh, I guess, I guess, quick on the trigger. I mean, it's a good way to put. Remember it. Freedom Fries? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a crazy moment, right? <laughs> or even back with the Colin Kaepernick thing when people yeah, were burning yeah. Nikes and burning their jerseys and stuff it's like you already bought guys what you bought this sure. like you burning it doesn't get you your money back it doesn't hurt the business yeah you're wild. you've already paid for your stuff it's wild i i think if you if you have a if folks have a very very uh educated reason uh behind their uh their symbolism and the things that they're they're doing like like the like burning a flag or or waving a flag whichever one you're doing if you're if you're waving the flag or burning it if you if you have a very strong, willful intent on and with an understanding about the message that you're sending, that's your freedom. 
take it. It's it like because that's what we all that's what both sides of the line are trying to preach right now, right? Is what is our freedom? What does it mean? Like it certainly doesn't make sense to me to say I can have the freedom and you can't. But that's what it feels like everyone's been saying on both sides. So if you have the willful intent of, you know, the understanding of the repercussions, then by all means, wave your flag or burn the flag, whatever it means. But uh, whatever you're doing, whatever symbolism you're, you're seeking to accomplish with that action, um, there's going to be repercussions. So it just it just depends. I mean, some some people have really good intent with really bad consequences. And some people have and some bad people get away with shit. So. It's a fucked up world, man. That's the battle of life. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're, you're flipping a coin each time you do something. You're like, okay, let's see how this pans out. Let's see how this pans out. Sometimes, sometimes it works. Sometimes, I mean, you got look at folks who, um, if you have the right personality, I think like you know, you, you take a stand for some things, um, like uh, like the Zach Bryan guy, right? Like he's over here, like he's stirring up a mess. His his fans love him. They're militant. They they love him. They will protect him with their lives. It feels like they will jump in front of a bullet or a train for him. And so he it, he has the the he has the the clout to go in there and mess with shit and to call out like Travis Tritt and be like, hey man, like why are you kind of why are you being a dick? It kind of feels like politicians to me. It's like it's like you if you're in politics, you 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 have to be a snake, kind of like you you wouldn't have you wouldn't have gotten there without being like you know um, a type A you know uh, power seeking person. Well, you got to lie. Yeah. Which is the grimy part about it mm-hmm. is, or, or not so much you have to, but they all are under the impression that they have to to get where, like, take George Santos. Yeah, right. The guy just lied. Just Straight lied, up, lied about anything <laughs> and everything. But he's, he's he's been he's been it's all been uncovered pretty pretty easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like he he lied and had a good backstory for the lie that would kind of cover it up. No, just blatant lies. Yeah, blatant. And then it all comes out, and the guy's still there. Yeah. Which is crazy. Like, regardless of what side of the aisle you fall on, the fact that you can just blatantly lie. Yeah. Which we all know they lie. But to do it like that and then say, you know what? No, the people elected me because they trust me and they want me to do this. And it's like, what? Nothing you said was true. I would be embarrassed. I wouldn't be able to go to work. Yeah. It's just, it's just embarrassing. Uh, Yeah. How do people, how do you live with yourself? How do you wake up and say, oh yeah, like you're, you're doing the right thing, man. (laughs) But see, that's the other side of the coin. So you have that. Which is a guy who who undoubtedly knows what he's doing and is doing it for the sole end game of I want to be in this spot. Yeah. And then you have the, you know, Bud Light situation where it's I listened to a little clip of that girl talking who is the marketing director or, or was the marketing person for that campaign. And she was just like, I want to make this inclusive. You know, I was trying to branch this out to a new audience and just it blows up in your face. Yeah. But I, I think with anything, um, because uh, my buddies um, on, on Twitter are who are artists and songwriters. They're the, the ones who are more outspoken. What always ends up happening is, um, yeah. If you, if you, um, if you, sometimes with a, with a, a truly like inflammatory tweet or whatever or statement, you're going to lose fans, right? You're gonna have people that cancel. You're gonna have people that unsubscribe or block you. But at the same time, you're gonna have a bunch of people who are like, "Oh heck yeah, I'm hopping on this train," and they'll, and then you gain fans, right? So if we're talking about strictly from, uh, like, uh, marketing and whether or not like you're getting the right attention, well, I mean, 
Yeah, so if we're Bud Light, yeah, they they definitely lost a ton of business, but they're probably going to gain a, some business out of it too. You just you just never know. Yeah, I don't know what. I don't know if a bunch of transgender people drink Bud Light. I don't know if they're. Maybe they will now. Maybe they will now. <laughs> yeah, they're like, you're on our side. Great. Or or not even just like specifically that, but like people who, um, you, I mean, in 10, 20 years, you never know how this marketing curve is going to go. Well, in two weeks, it two might blow weeks. over. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how the, all that pans out with the rubber band snap being that fast. Maybe it'll just correct the other way and people will just forget about it with the attention span being so short. It seems like people forget about shit really quick these days, right? It doesn't take- You just got to be quiet for a couple days and, and then everybody just moves on. Yeah. Well, one, one case where that kind of, uh, one, one case where I was kind of, I was really disappointed in myself, like- I don't know if you follow any of the Ryan Adams stuff in the last three years. No. So great artist, amazing songs, very influential for myself and all my songwriter friends. Um, super talented guy, and he got in trouble uh, with uh, you know some some messages on on Instagram, some 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 texting, and there were a lot of accusations from his former wives about his mistreatment of women, and uh, he. Uh, got caught in a specific uh, texting issue scandal, and uh, where he was allegedly, you know, texting someone who he didn't know the age of, and 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 turns out that she was like fifteen, and so this artist that is so talented and incredible and an amazing songwriter and has moved a lot of people in a lot of ways, myself included, uh, in no time at all, he's blackballed from everything. Um, shows, record labels, like, can't even play an open mic. I mean, and um, if he did what he did, then he deserves that probably. But uh, he, it didn't blow over. It, it like, ha still hasn't blown over. It's been, like, three or four years. And I think part of the reason is because he is a, he, he probably actually is a huge um, he's been a problem. I think he's been a problem in the music industry for a while. So people were just looking for a reason to sit. Not looking for a reason. People were ready to get rid of him. They just needed the opportunity. Yeah. And and I think, so if you if you create a rep reputation around yourself, if you don't treat the people in your environment, you know, in the community well, and if you betray their trust time and time again, then there is there is absolutely a point where they're going to cancel your ass and you ain't coming back. And and I think that's what happened with him. Um but then, you know, shit, we got, I mean, you, you walk into any store, you're going to hear Michael Jackson playing <laughs> on the speakers. That's the crazy thing, right? <laughs> and like, look at all the shit he did. And like, um, one of my favorite uh, country music uh, rock and roll stars, Jerry Lee Lewis. I mean, all the crap that he did. Marin he like married his cousin. He, they supposedly, he supposedly killed his wives. He, and and he's, on, he's on country radio every day. So like, I don't know, like, what do you call it? It's not a, it's not a double standard, but it's. It's like it just depends on it just depends on your legacy, I guess. Some people make it through, some people don't. And it almost depends just on how good you are. Mm -hmm. It's you can reach this escape velocity where everything you did that was not escape great. Escape velocity. Yeah, yeah. You just totally. you move past it. Totally. Yeah. But man, you just you just never know. So you just you my my folks my folks and I in Nashville like it's a pretty small community in the songwriter community. I mean, there's there's hundreds, thousands of us, but um we all congregate every single week. I mean, a lot for a lot of people, they congregate every single night 
you know, in the same writing rooms or writing spots or bars and pubs. And so we are, it's a, it's a, Nashville is actually a very small town in that way, especially if you're involved in music industry. So, um, you say, you say or do one thing wrong to the wrong person. Um, you, you got to watch your back, you know? So definitely the goal, the goal among my, my peers in Nashville, um, as a, as a Asian American in Nashville, I mean, my family has been treated very well. We've been welcomed with open arms. I mean, my parents wouldn't uh, still be there for, for 30 years later after they moved there if, if they didn't love it, you know. Um, and so people always, we get, we get asked to be in the conversation about diversity in country music specifically because that's the kind of genre we're operating in right now. And um, a lot of folks are looking for a, a, um, the story of a victim. When, when did you experience um, uh, hurt and when did you experience prejudice? And uh, I think as a kid, occasionally I, I, I did. Um, and um, ranging from like schoolyard silliness to um, experiences of my parents, like in, in day-to-day living, like at a gas station or a restaurant, you know, just weird shit. But... I, I generally leave with uh, the my statement, which is like, hey, like Nashville uh, as a community has been awesome. And then the songwriting community in Nashville has been extremely supportive, even though I um, there even though there are very few uh, artists who have the ethnic background that I do. So, I mean, I can only say good things about it for the most part. The the pursuit of the victim mentality is something that really scares me. Because it seems like there's a lot of cachet in that. And that if you can kind of fit that bill of, yeah, I had it pretty rough. And maybe you did. But I mean, maybe people definitely do have it hard. Mm-hmm. But there are also people that just lean into that for the so the social cachet that yeah. comes along with that statement. Social cachet, absolutely. I mean, it's it depends on what kind of uh what kind of image and what kind of image you're branding, right? What kind of what kind of story you're trying to sell. Because we all are at some point, like all artists, all songwriters are trying to essentially create a story that people are going to buy into. And it's it's funny that usually in country music, it is, I grew up in a trailer, right? Like, I grew up dirt poor. Um, I grew up knowing what it's like to not have anything. That gen- And, and that, that generally gets people, like, people sympathy, right? Pulls on your heartstrings, and so does the and so does the. I had a tough time. Like I was, uh, I was disenfranchised. I was bullied. I had to, I had to overcome an adversity, right? Um, and I and I love this dichotomy that there are like artists in um in pop and hip hop that, na- that you know they don't they like you see thinking about a country song. It's like yeah, I grew up in the sticks, poor as dirt, you know, driving daddy's truck, and then. You got this like the the Latino and the and the hip hop and the pop um, singers these days. I think a lot of times they're singing, "I got chains, I got money, I got cars, I got women." Right? I'm I'm living it up. Right? And you, you very rarely do you hear like country songs that are like, "Oh, I came from a very rich family. Oh, I'm just doing fine and I don't have any problems." <laughs> yeah, I've got this giant trust fund waiting for me back home. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's I think it's hilarious. I mean, Taylor Swift came from a freaking rich family, you know? 
she, she sings about her broken heart all day, and people love that, and she's very good at it. But you know, she she was never disenfranchised, at least not in her foundation as a, as an artist. I mean, she's dealt with everything that that more than any anybody else has in the music industry for the most part. But uh, it, yeah, it's 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 like where where do you come from? Like, can you be honest about it? Can you be genuine about it? And if not, if you're telling, if you're fabricating a story, if you're telling somebody else's story or creating one. Like, um, what's your, what's your intent with that? Um, so when, when people approach me with, with those questions about, about creating diversity and representation in country music, I'm all for it. But like my, my band, I mean, and my record label, like we are, my, my record, uh, my record label head, Alex Torres is for, uh, is from a migrant family in West Texas. Um, my band is made up of three LGBTQ members. I'm an Asian country singer, which is something you never see. We're too busy out here making records and road dogging. Like we're 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 doing this kind of we're we're doing the work and instead of going on social media and 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 causing a row. I mean, some everyone has their own impetus and agency and and and, and method, right? For for bridging the gap or breaking down the walls. Um, so whenever we get asked to be in this conversation, I, I tell them, you know, like, yeah, we, we, our label itself is, is representation and diversity. And the more that we, the more that we can push forward together, the more representation we're going to get. Um, I don't, I don't need it. I don't need folks, um, uh, I guess coming, coming down and saying, Hey man, like, we want to help you because we feel like you have not been treated well. I, I want folks to come out and say, hey, man, we want to help you because we think your stuff rocks. You know, like we love what you're doing. That's what I don't understand with that mentality is how could you, why would you want to be the person that's supported because of X? Know, because you fit into this box and they feel bad for that. So they want to come out and support you. Why not just have... Work be, on your craft. Yeah, it'd be your craft, and you'd be so undeniable at what you do that they say, well, we couldn't ignore this guy because yeah. he's so good at what he does. He's so prolific at his stuff. Representation at, at any level, I think, is is necessary. I think it's needed. I, uh, um, if we're talking about, if we're getting into the conversation about that in this country as a whole, yeah, I mean, it it what happened to America, the melting pot, like that, that needs to come back. That needs to be more of, of an understood thing. Like that just needs to be ingrained now in our DNA so that we can just get past the fact that there are white people and black people and native Americans and Asians. Like we just need to all understand that. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the representation is like, if, if folks have their, Folks have their own methods, like I said, about uh, branding, marketing, getting attention. Sometimes that's great. Sometimes that's really good. Like if you if you have a um, if you have a catchy story, whatever it is, whatever story it is that you think is gonna is gonna help folks hop onto your train and get you the most attention. Um, if it is helping push, you know, the uh, the limit of people's acceptance. Um, and uh, appreciation for just diversity as a whole, I think that's generally good. Absolutely. Um, it's just my method and the, the method of the folks I work with, my label, my bandmates, um, we're, I guess it's just a little more understated. Like we just, we let the songs do the talking. We let the work speak for itself, right? 
Well, um, I don't feel like that's understated at all. I feel like that's the foundation of how you bring about whatever change you're sure. working towards. Yeah. Is you, at some point, what you're doing has to be able to speak for itself. Yes. Otherwise, the door never opens. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I have, I have, uh, I've, I've been around folks in the industry who, um, who, yeah, like can't have 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 uh can't can't walk the walk, but they they all they do is talk, right? So, like if you have to be able to back up your your um you have to have some substance, right? Um to to whatever flag it is you're waving, um you better be able to back up what you're saying on both sides, absolutely. Has that been something that's been difficult for you to navigate? Where you guys are, you're kind of in the public sphere. You're touring. You're putting out this music. Yeah. Has it been a challenge? almost finding your voice off stage and what that might mean when you do go back on stage saying the wrong thing or upsetting somebody that maybe is in a position of power that could influence your trajectory. I'm careful about what I say for sure. Uh, you have to be, um, but I, I'm not a, I'm not a Twitter fiend. I don't, I don't just, I I edit my thoughts. (laughs) And, uh, I think that's, I think that comes from the journalism English lit background, like what I said about communication, like learning how to communicate better. That, like, I think that's what I mean. It's like I, I, I sit with my thoughts. I edit them. Um, I will, I will delete a, I will write a post and delete it if I, if I don't like it after a couple of minutes. Um, and also, uh, I, I kind of enjoy taking a step back and, and really assessing like what, what message we have to say. Um, and a lot of times you can say stuff, but you can't take it back. So um, I'd rather form uh, a great message uh, and have and, and and continue to form it. Like I don't I don't know exactly where my career and um, what what impact my songs will do in the long run because uh, it's only been three or four years or about five years since the first record came out. But uh, like if I can if I can form my message and my uh, intent in my career to a point and sharpen it over time. Um, it will, it will get to where it needs to get, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll accomplish what it needs to um, instead of just, you know, firing off willy nilly and hoping that something lands. So, yeah. Yeah. The ability to be intentional with your thoughts feels like a lost art and to just have the initial thought and then, Take a second and process it no, no before kidding. you just throw it out there. No kidding. I mean, that's that's what I do as a songwriter. I I was joking about how it take years to write, and I do. Um, I I I often like most songwriters. Um, I'll be in the car or at work or at the gym or just something cooking, and um, you know, I'll have an idea. And in Nashville, there's a process um, of songwriters, which is a very quick turnaround. It's it's part of the big machine. It's part of the um, it's part of the contract that publishers have with their songwriters on their publishing labels. So, um, it, there, there's a, there's essentially a quota, right? Like you need to have this many songs every month. Um, because, uh, uh, songwriters work on essentially like a, like a stipend, right? So they get maybe 20 grand, 25 grand for a year. That'll help them like get out of the restaurant business or get out of Ubering. And so they can actually take time to write, but then you, then when that happens is you receive a quota essentially and you have to match that. So there's some, there's pressure to write. So then, so some people write out of pressure, which is great, like, cause they can create and they are, are told that they need to create like on the spot. And for some people that works really well. 
Uh, and then for myself, I know that I know that being told to have something by the end of the week, that's a piece of art. I would say it's probably not going to be as a, as good as it would be if you'd given me a year or two years or three. Right. Um, so uh, I've never done a publishing deal. Uh, I've only worked in a record label to where that I just have all these songs and, and I present them. And uh, Torres and I, you know, live with them with and live live with them uh, with our producers and share them and as work tapes and say okay where do we think these songs should go what direction can we accomplish with this record um and then on my own time um I'm living with these songs in my head and constantly letting them marinate um to see what's what the, what's the best story or message that I can make out of it and sometimes it's just sometimes it just happens on its own it's not like I'm intentfully like I don't have a freaking formula I don't have like you know a textbook about how to do how to write songs um, but I know I don't want to be part of um, a contract that says I need to write like a hundred songs every year. Um, so uh, that going back to like willful having willful intent in your in your message and your thoughts, yeah, I, it's just kind of a, a process that is ingrained in my lifestyle already. Like that's the way I operate. I know I'm not going to go spouting off on something I don't know anything about. Um, and that's part of being careful about what you say. Like, you know, where I am in a public sphere, uh, and I have family that I care about, and uh, I have like my my girlfriend's family. They her background is completely is the opposite of mine. Like, their our upbringings are completely different as far as party lines, but like class wise and education wise is very similar. Like growing up in the South, so uh, I yeah, you got to be. Anywhere, anywhere you go, you got to be careful about about what you say. If we're in if we're in Texas, um, there's songs that I'll play that I won't play in New York. <laughs> you know, like there's some messages that uh, I think uh, I save for certain audiences. Right? Do you think it sucks that you have to do that today? Nah, I mean that's just part of the game. I think it's I think it's usually usually it's about do I think this audience has a sense of humor? Do I think this audience is willing to? Um, go down this, you know, this funny rabbit hole of a story um, that might use some colloquialism or phrases uh, that they're not normally used to hearing. Um, and the, again, that's part of developing this community because uh, I, I hope to be able to develop a community to where I can, I never have to censor or uh, be worried about what song I play. You know, if I just have... It doesn't matter if it's California, Texas, New York. I just have a a gay bleed community that shows up for it, and they know what to expect, and they know what to hear, and they're gonna laugh with the funny songs, they're gonna cry with the sad songs. Um, so yeah, but uh, uh, right now, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm a very careful person, so uh, that's what I mean to say when I say like sometimes certain communities, I'll I'll play a song, and and then other ones I'll save it. Right. Well, I can relate to that. I mean, there's sometimes I'll have a guest on here and think, okay, maybe I we don't go into this realm because it'll just evolve into chaos. Well, you have to be, yeah, you have to be kind of cognizant, right? Like, I mean, I'm an observer, so um, I always take stock of what the crowd looks like or appears like or what zip code am I in, what what state am I in, right? That you you have to, you have to take those things into account when you travel as much as we do and and are entertainers, right? Yeah, because you don't want to go up there and then your first song the audience is just turned against you and you guys are yeah. like, well, this well, is going to be a problem. Point. That's the point as of being an entertainer. You know, I want to entertain. I want to give folks the best show they can possibly get out of us. 
you know, short of juggling fire. So like, I'm just, I don't, I don't want to have any inflammatory issues among my community. My community is going to be one when it's all said and done that when they're at the venue, they look after each other. They find some common ground. I think that's a good goal to have. Yeah. That's with all, the music. If you hope to achieve anything, that would I be, ask. that would be up there. All I ask. It's, you know, for all the shit that social media gets, I would have to imagine it would be beneficial to getting your music out there in some sense, right? Because more people oh, yeah. have access to it nowadays. Yeah, we rely on social media heavily. Absolutely. And all the venues do too, like... Um, For promotion and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's how that's how we are... That's how we access and, and find out information about um, tour schedules, uh, song releases, collaborations, announcements. Everything comes through social media now. So, I mean, it's... It's something that we that we just we just all depend upon, and there's no there's no going back now. <laughs> Does it feel like it's easier to make it now because of social media? Because you could just have a viral TikTok, and then people are aware of your music. Yeah, it depends on the content. Dep- depends on um, how uh, the I guess the um, the life uh, expectancy, like how long can can this content survive? Because like, yeah, you can go viral on TikTok, but can you sell tickets? You know, you can get millions of views for. Uh, an Amy Winehouse cover, but can you play two weeks worth of shows in a town you've never been in and make money? That's what matters. Yeah, that's the most important metric. Yeah. Is are people going to show up for you if you're around? Yeah, it's easy to to build that online persona, and and then it doesn't translate necessarily <laughs> to the real world. My generation, like I, I'm again, I'm about to be thirty three. Like, yeah, we were on the Facebook, and then like, or we were on the freaking MySpace, man. You know, like, and then and, and AOL. And then MySpace, like, was just a weird face. <laughs> and then we got Facebook, and then our parents took over Facebook. We moved over to Instagram and Twitter. Um, but then, like, once we once TikTok really started blowing up and there was Vine for a little bit, like, we were almost too old for, for TikTok to be um, uh, fluent and easy for us. And so, like, my, my generation as mid-30s, like, we kind of struggle with the TikTok. Um, but I mean, again, it's more, it's more about, uh, the uh, authenticity of the, the content you're creating. Like, does it, does it have survivability? Can it last? If you're a musician, can you tour on it? Right. Can you actually turn it into something? Um, yeah. I mean, you can have a, like, even with, uh, like, cause I've been in restaurants for so long, like you have a restaurant promotion that makes a, a place look really sexy and hot. And like, it's, it looks like a place you'd want to hang out, but then you get there, like, is the food any good? Right. Do you have to wait forever for your, you know, for your table? That kind of stuff. Yeah, and with TikTok particularly, people will put songs out and they'll blow up and it'll be big for like a month. And then it just, it yeah. it falls off the wave. Yeah. And then no, there's no longevity because it wasn't so much about the actual quality of the song. It was just, oh, this is what's cool right now. And it's, then so it's gone. Fight. Yeah. By the way, are we able to take a quick break? Yeah, do you want to take a We could... I don't know how much time you have. Do you I have plenty to, of time. Have I just wanted to take. I just wanted to hit the head real quick. Oh yeah, we could take five. Okay, cool. Take us out. Take a breather after a show. Be like, okay, we're back. We're in action. We can kind of, we can take five seconds and then we oh, gotta yeah. hit the road again. You know, it's just nice to sometimes uh, sleep. <laughs> That's got to be a big thing, right? <laughs> yeah, because we're always on the move. I mean, you, the hardest part um, I've I've gathered so far, the hardest part is not um, loading in playing the show, loading out. Um, it's 
it's the party and after the show because that's what keeps you up till two or three a.m. And then you got to check out of the hotel at eleven and be back on the road and, and back on it. And so, you know, if I was talking about maturity earlier, like you know, if we were actually more mature, we probably wouldn't you know party as much as we do. But uh, hey, we're we're living it up. Well, it's also about enjoying the experience. Yeah, I mean, especially like. You're going to all these places. If it's your first time there, you kind of want to get out, hang with the locals, grab a beer, get get to see some sights. Yeah, that, I mean that's absolutely the goal. I mean, in a lot of ways, because we 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 certainly are coming out here to build a community, and we're gonna. I mean, yeah, we're gonna play our show and hope people buy tickets to that too. But uh, I've made uh, great connections with uh, bar owners, bar owners, venue owners, uh, or even networked with uh, people who have resources that want to network and just help us um, outside of the the music industry. Like um, uh, stuff, the stuff that I'm doing um, at its, you know, in this sort of like uh, ground uh, roots level where we're, we're cutting all the songs ourselves. We're writing all the songs. Uh, I'm sending out all the merch myself. You know, we, we do all the merch orders ourselves. We design the, the merch ourselves, that kind of stuff. Um, Folks like us are always on the lookout for um, a, a break, in a sense of like having um, uh, just, just just an investor, right? Just having folks that are maybe not in the music industry, but like really just have the means and the intent to help. And those people exist out there. You know, we call them angel investors. They exist, uh, and I am not embarrassed at all to say that we are absolutely looking for those because. Uh, the we have ambitions we want we want uh not only my music project but the the projects that we're working on with the label that we think are special to to really live and survive in this world and not just be played a few hundred thousand times and disappear um and usually like the secret to uh touring acts that last for a long time they just they got dough man they got money well, it's an expensive endeavor, I would imagine. You yeah. guys got to pay for the bus. You got to pay for the gas. You got to play Everything. for where you're staying. You got to, you need all your equipment. I mean, it just keeps adding up. Yeah, and, and right now, like these days, we're uh, we have we have certain anchor dates um, that are that really solidify the journey um, and that make the journey worth it. I would say, and and worth it by by worth it, I mean like literally figures wise. Like we have a couple anchor dates that are big paydays for us, um, and that enables us to um, to play the small venues and the small clubs on the way to those anchor dates where we're on nights where we're, um, you know, only making enough to pay for gas or only making enough to pay for the hotel that night just to get us to the next one, just to get us to the next one, just to get us to the, the anchor date that is actually going to pay for everything, right? So we had a couple of those in California this year, which made it feasible for us to come out here. But um, yeah, I mean, you got, you think about the, the guys that go on three month tours in their vans and they have a van for their band and they have a van for their staff and then a trailer with all their production gear. I mean, that takes major front money. So that's hopefully I would, I would, I would hope that eventually we get to experience that. Cause that means we're at least making a little bit of dough, you know? Well, I think you guys are on a good track, man. You, what is inspirational to me in the sense is you guys' work ethic. It seems like you guys are out here. You're, you're hustling. Yeah. You guys are doing this in-house. You're working. You're focusing on your music. And you're just, you're trying to move forward. And I think when people get on that train, it's a sign that, okay, 
yeah. they could they could do something. It's the people that are like half-assing it, kind of doing a little bit of work here, then they take a year or two off, and then they do a little bit of work, and then ten well, years go by, and it's like, what what happened to those? Well, people? then well, you have nothing to then you have nothing to complain about, right? If you um if you're labeled as a like a dabbler, you know, someone who puts out who tours like a little bit or puts out a record, you know, every five or six years. Yeah, I mean, to me, you're an artist, um, and you're you're a songwriter. If you write songs, you're a songwriter. It doesn't doesn't matter if you take years to write, do a record, but if you're if you're if you're going to, I guess, um, ignore the trends of of the market that is the small business that I'm in in the bigger in the bigger uh, ecosystem of the music industry, and if you're going to ignore those trends and say um, uh, then, then don't be surprised by the outcome. Don't be surprised if some of your stuff gets left behind, if you're not pushing it, because you do have to fight for attention these days. Like you do, every every social media post, every show, um, every opportunity you have, every um, every podcast. You know, like hop on it, do it, even if it takes time out of your day, even even if it, it takes you on a detour from your plans. Um, do it because otherwise, then otherwise, then yeah, you're. You're gonna then then don't complain about maybe not getting your 15 minutes, right? The complaining part is the part that I I have a problem with because there's a quote and I can't think of who it's by, but it's don't expect to reap the rewards from the seeds that you didn't plant. So totally. that's that's 90 percent of what life is is you got to put in the work because nobody's gonna come and put it in for you. Yeah, it applies to everything, absolutely. Um, and um. So, you know, I think I think a lot of folks, at least I can only speak for my experience in this industry, is like, well, um, the idea, like, what does what success mean to you, right? Um, if success is um, a few great shows a year, um, uh, a, few, a few million streams, uh, then great, good. That's, that, that, was your, that was your line of success, and if anything you achieve past that is even more amazing. Um, if your idea of success is to be the next Luke Combs or Taylor Swift, well, you better, you better be ready to put in the work that they did at least at the very least. Right. So what are your definitions of success? Um, for me, I mean, I look at some of my, some of my songwriter buddies in Texas. I think they have something great figured out because Texas is so enormous and it, and it houses so many music venues. And so many music lovers. I mean, they have a great music. Uh, they have a great history of songwriters. Towns Van Zant, Guy Clark, Willie Nelson, Hayes Carl. All these guys have, um, I guess, essentially helped curate the entire state into being uh, respectful listeners of songwriting. So, uh, some of my songwriter friends out there who are in their like you know early forties, mid fifties, um, they they all have kids. Uh, they all have families. Uh, but they have a very sustainable career, which is one um, that does not require like three months of touring at a time. They can go out uh, on weekends uh, and in the middle of the week and play a small songwriter room for and, and get a couple grand. And they can go home and do their kids at night. Um, that's I think as a songwriter artist, if you have that sustainability, just that level, I think that is success to me. Um, and I and I think if I reach that, then I can look at the I can look at whatever career I end up building and say, okay, at least at least I got to that point, um, because then you're actually uh, 
then you're then you're living as a human being. You have a you have a family, you have a spouse, you have kids. Uh, you're a real person, uh, but then uh, you know you you also get to do what you love for 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 a living. Um, that's that's very rare. Is that the challenge of being at this stage that you're in? Is just the instability of life on the road? Oh no, going not, not at all. I love it. Oh, I, <laughs> yeah, I freaking love being out here, man. I told my manager I could do this. I could do this forever. I love this. I don't have any kids at home. You know, I I have a dog, and I like to joke. I have a dog and an angry girlfriend at home, and and um, like she understands. Like in my in my family, they understand. Like they, my parents, they have supported me as a musician since day one. Um, and uh, we uh, all my all my 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 support system in Nashville, my my childhood friends, um, they're all they're all big fans, and they every you know they most people want to want to see. Um, their friends succeed. And most people want to see, especially if it's a hard business to break into, you know, that's, that's even more, uh, of a, of a mountain to climb for a lot of folks. So people are definitely rooting for us. Um, and I could, I, I told my manager last year, I was like, you know, load me up. Um, we hired a booking agent and I was just like, you know, I want to be a road dog. I want to do this. Um, because I believe that that's, that's how I'm going to, achieve any level of success is to actually bring the music to people live music in front of their very eyes and ears because like we were saying earlier i i don't know tiktok that well i mean i have one um but i don't use it very much i use instagram sparingly and i'm just hoping that um kind of the old-fashioned way will ride again will work uh i don't have i don't have interest in uh, making a viral tiktok video um, maybe, maybe it'll happen at some point. Like if my, if we get really creative with it, but I just, all I can wrap my head around is all I really focus on in love is, is songwriting. Right. And then, and playing and performing music live. So that's how I'm going to, that's how I'm going to make it if I do. Right. It's just those things. Well, and being on the road has the added benefit of your constantly sharpening your skills. Totally. You worrying about creating some viral TikTok is just a waste of however long it took you. Because, yeah. yeah, it might blow up. Yeah, you might get some followers and stuff from that, which would be beneficial. But yeah. you're not getting better at your craft. Again, trying to if feed that whatever, out. Whatever sell, puts butts in seats, man, whatever sells tickets, that's what I'm concerned with. And so putting on a good show, is it behooves me way more than a couple extra thousand followers on some social media app. <laughs> They might get banned. So it might not even matter when, in a little bit. When you say it out loud. Yeah. <laughs> Followers. <laughs> like, you know, uh, again, hard ticket sales. That's what I'm about right now. Hard ticket sales. Give me a, uh, and, you know, and buy a hat, right? Buy a shirt. Buy some merch. Spotify, man. Um, we did, we've done the math a handful of times. Um, 5,000 streams on Spotify is like 25 bucks. Is it really? It's like a third of a cent per stream. Damn. So, you will immediately benefit an artist way more if you just buy a record in that moment in, in, at a show or online. That 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 takes buying a record takes ten seconds. Um, Five thousand streams <laughs> takes hours, days. Right? Crazy. Well, that's something that we were talking about off air that I think is really cool that you guys do is you guys sell vinyl which yeah. I'm a huge fan of. I think that's awesome. And it seems like that's 
been pretty good for you guys. That seems like there's a lot of demand there for that. Totally. Totally. I mean, we have to, you know, schlep it around. We we lug it all over the country. All, you know, however many pounds of vinyl it is. Is the I'll tell you the vinyl, I mean, the merch uh cases that we have are getting lighter, which is really That's good. a good sign. Yes, yes. But um we are uh, absolutely um hustling in a way like we're we have like tchotchkes, yeah, koozies, um shirts, bandanas, hats, stickers. Um all those things uh really um help a lot when you're when you're traveling and you're far from home. They pay for so much. Um it's it's retail. That's all it is. Are you guys when you set out on tour, do you have a set number of things that you're taking with you in terms of merch? Are you guys restocking along the road? We we do a bit, little bit of both. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we we took as much as we could load into into two like, you know, big black travel cases and then um we have restocked a couple times when we were in Texas when we happened to be driving by uh, our not only our our merchandise uh, warehouse but also our vinyl um, shop. Um, so, uh, you know, we we uh, we hope to sell as much as we can. But like, you know, honestly, uh, we, that's why we we have a we have a merch site, you know, online, and so we just hope that um, folks, you know, every once in a while, help us out and like snag a CD or something online. That helps too. We have. Um, we have a couple fans, uh, overseas. There's a, there's a record, a record store in the Netherlands that I have, um, sent two massive shipments to in the last year because I sent them one of like, you know, 40 CDs, like 20 vinyl. And it, uh, they hit me up about a week before I left, uh, in March and they said, we need more. Uh, so like, I am, you know, I'm kind of cutting them a deal because it costs a lot to ship over there, but at least I'm getting the music out. And then hopefully uh, when I tour the Netherlands, which is coming up uh, in October, when I go overseas to Scandinavia, hopefully that means that people are going to show up. That's going to be an exciting feeling. Is that going to be your first time back there? Uh, Yeah. I mean, we, I had a Scandinavian tour lined up in um, 2020 and then all just, you know, went to hell, but this year, um, in August, I'm going to be in London, uh, or I'm going to be in the UK. I'm going to be in some like some some small town in, uh, outside of London, playing a festival, and then in October we have some Scandinavian dates that are coming through, so Norway, Sweden, maybe Germany, um, Denmark, and um, they have a really huge appetite for folk Americana country out there right now. Really? Yeah, huge. So they're, um, I've had friends go over and, and play just like solo acoustic and do really well. Uh, but, you know, you have to, it has to be at least a three-week endeavor out there. Like if you go for a week, it takes at least a week pretty much at these shows to make your money, to, to make your travel expenses. And then, then, the, then the week and the next two weeks after that, you're actually making some money. Well, yeah, so, that's a significantly bigger investment, right? Going out there than just crazy. traveling across the country. Especially if you take players or a band, you know. So, How did you find your bandmates? Were they also from Nashville? Did you guys kind of meet up there? Yeah, we met at a bluegrass gig in Nashville. And just clicked. Yeah, they they, they became my buddies. Um, we're similar age. Um, we listened to, this, to similar kinds of music, and we were at this, uh, there's a, there's a, Group of uh, I call I call it a dad band. <laughs> there's a there's a group of uh, folks that hang out in Nashville, uh, 
uh, called the Can't Hardly Playboys. And it is essentially uh, one of my best friends in high school. Her dad uh, is in this band. And these guys, like, they just get together the first Friday of every month at a different guy's house, Round Robin, and they just play old, like, Bob Dylan, Rolling Stones, Merle Haggard country songs. Um, and we uh, we were both invited to one years ago. The My bandmates and I, they were both there. And I walked in, and um, uh, one of them was teaching piano to uh, one of the other dads there. So we'd all kind of, like, knew about each other and finally, like, got to meet and jammed out. And um, the next day, we... I was on one of my favorite hikes in Nashville, um, which is a five mile loop. And they were on the same loop. Like we were going opposite ways. And so we didn't even recognize each other. It was literally the day after this party. And like we walked past each other, we're like, you know, it's just a nod. And then like about 50 yards go by. And then we turn around and we're like, oh shit, like you were at the party last night. And so we caught up and um, I hired the Dobro player, Luciana, to come play a few shows with me. Uh, that summer and when I heard Dobro on my songs for the first time I was like okay this is so perfect so uh, we've been playing together now all of us for probably four or five years they have their own band so uh, essentially right now it's myself and then I have a bass player and a Dobro player the bass player and the Dobro player Rachel and Luciana have their own band their duo their duet, duet called King Margot um, which is uh, like indie pop folk um, music, and they're great. They're, they 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 just sing like you know it's a bunch of harmonies, you know, and they sing very tight and beautifully. Um, so it's the three of us right now, and then we have a fiddle player who kind of flies in and out depending on her availability. Um, so in Nashville, Rachel, Luciana, and I we all actually live uh, in the same house. Uh, they own the house, and I live on the first floor, and they live on the second floor. So we are bandmates and housemates. <laughs> and we that has absolutely been an advantage on this trip because we already know what it's like to be to live together and you know be in tight quarters and always be around each other and be around each other's crap. So uh, both figurati- figuratively and literally. <laughs> so out here in a in an old Chevy van together for two months or three months, it's uh, it's definitely a test of friendship. Um, but yeah, we've made it work. Well, that's a perfect lead up in that it's not like some strangers that you just met. Like right. you guys know each other, you're going in. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know what to expect. We're everything's buddies. everything's fine. Yeah, we're 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 buddies and and we've toured together here and there before and they as their duo, as their band King Margot, uh they tour all the time too. So right now the setup at least while I'm out here um is um King Margot generally will open. So they'll play like 45 minutes to an hour. And then I'll probably come on for like 35, 40 minutes solo, and then I bring the entire band on. Um, that's essentially the run of show, and we keep it we keep it uh, pretty much the same because they're uh, they're my openers, but they're also my backing band. So like, I I didn't want to like exhaust them as we were out on the road. Um, so they uh, they play essentially. Uh, two sets every night. They play their opener set uh, and then they come and back me up and we close the set out together. Uh, And they all sing and they all play. So uh, when we come back together at the very end all together, if if you've been watching the whole show, you get to see, you know, the whole, the best of both worlds collaborating. Um, 
And again, as friends, as housemates, as as longtime buddies, uh, honestly, we just have fun. Like on stage, you know, we're just we're just having a blast. Kind of like every time I look over at one of them, I'm just like, I can't believe we're doing this for money. You know, <laughs> is that a weird feeling thinking about where you started and where you are now? Did you ever anticipate being in this kind of realm? Where now you're back? Yeah, you're back west. You're touring. You're gonna right. go back to these other countries and. Mm. I mean, it's like these pieces are falling into place. Yeah, the pieces falling into place is something that everybody hopes for, right? And if it if it does happen, great. Like, I we have we have we've I've had opportunities in the past that were lined up and were going to be, um, which were going to be what I thought was uh, career changing that either fell through or didn't end up, you know, panning out, right? And everyone had this in twenty twenty. Everyone experienced this, right? There was. There was a, we probably all had plans <laughs> that got totally shat on. So uh, uh, right now I, I look at my my calendar for the rest of the year that it's been, that's the busiest it's ever been, which is awesome because I can look at these dates and know business-wise I'm going to be able to say pay rent, right, or for this trip um, and, and make the next show. But um, uh, I have I have a saying like that I, that uh, I kind of, like my, my bandmates, like, and I kind of joke around with, but it's absolutely true. It's, it's the most important show is the one we're at, right? Because we are, we actually made it here. Like we don't know about tomorrow. We don't know about the weekend or even August or October. For me, that's a lifetime away. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen between now and then. All I know is that I'm in Arcata and I'm tomorrow I'm playing freaking Portland, Oregon, and I've got to make it to the Portland, Oregon show. That's my prerogative right now. Um, so, yeah, like every show is the most important show, and and if things fall into place, phenomenal. Like that's that's what everybody hopes for. Um, and we we are. It's been a slow build uh, for myself and my team. So everything that comes through and every opportunity that comes through, we feel like uh, we feel like we've earned. Yeah, we. Yeah, I don't. Um, obviously, there's a lot of like sometimes sometimes opportunities are a gift and a blessing, and we're grateful for that. But we also operate in a mindset that's like, okay, like we're a small label next to giant labels in Nashville. Like we, d- we fight for every stream, every view, everything, um, every dollar, right? So whenever we get an opportunity that can help us get a leg up closer to those, those monster labels, um, we own it, right? It makes a difference. Yeah, huge difference. It's, it's small opportunities for small labels mean a lot more to us than it does to the, <laughs> to the giants, right? <laughs> and for you guys, I mean, your first album came out 2019? 2019, yeah. 2019, and then you have COVID. How much did that fuck with you guys a little bit, where you're kind of getting the ball rolling, and then all of a sudden the world just shuts down and everything stops? Absolutely. I mean, I was referencing, uh, I was alluding to some opportunities that we had that disappeared because of COVID, and some have come back and some haven't. Um, so, uh I, ever since then, uh, I've always operated on, okay, like, what do we have in front of us? What's the most important thing right here, right now? Uh, we can only control what we can control in our day. Like, and, like, in San Francisco, we had our, you know, we had our van broken into. Luckily, all our gear was already in the venue. Um, but, like, we can only control what we can control. Like, what what's the best thing we can do right now is to make sure that tomorrow morning we get the stupid window fixed so we're not driving through the rain and the cold. Um, 
And uh, I think that was the biggest lesson we got we got from 2020. Yeah. Well, that's an important mindset to have, especially doing something that's as chaotic in a sense as touring, mm-hmm. that you, you've really just got to take it show by show and yeah. day by day and second by second. You have to live in the moment and do whatever you can to have this moment be the best moment that you can perform in. Totally. And then... Yeah. Take the next one as it comes. Yeah, and and uh, also is just trying to connect with the the people in that moment too. Like every opportunity we get uh, after every show, selling merch at the table, like like establishing um, a hard, fast, uh, a positive relationship or connection with whoever is coming up and buying a koozie or a hat or whatever, um, and hoping that like they 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 remember that like it's ingrained in their memory, so that when we come back through, they will first of all, come back out and see us and buy a ticket or second of all, even better bring friends. Right. Um, this is what hard touring is about. Um, and yeah, it's a grind. I mean, it's a grind, but so is everybody else's lives. Like, you know, we don't, uh, for, for some people, it's just hard to get out of bed in the morning. You know, for some people, it's just hard to go to work. Uh, we are, we live in a very, uh, unique situation to where a, we get to do what we love and, and be real, you know, we, we could just play, we could just play around Tennessee if we wanted to just did that for the rest of our lives. And it, th- then, then we would just operate in that realm and maybe never exceed, um, where we are now musically and, and in our careers. But we've asked for this. We've asked for this opportunity to come out and play 45 shows, uh, in two months. Right. Uh, so, uh, we have, we have, um, again, in a small label, uh, creative freedom and, and control, which, which feels really good and is, is paramount. I think for, for a, a songwriter that for myself, I want to, I want to create my own sound. I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to follow anybody else's sound. I'm trying to create my own. Right. Well, that's another direction you guys could have gone. I mean, you could have just been a cover band and stayed in Nashville. And that's all, yeah. that's just what you guys do. There's money that's in that it. too. Yeah. And it's fun. Like playing down on Broadway, I've done it. And, you know, there's four hour recovery gigs and you're just jamming out and there's tons of tips. And um, that's one way to be too. It's a it's a big old industry. There's so many different facets of, of how to do it. So um, honestly, it's it's kind of what, again, what you what you set your, uh, uh, your definition of success as. And... Um, and also your expectation. Don't if you set your level of success for something that is extremely high, then be ready for the falls in between. If you set your level of success at just being a cover band player in Nashville, then don't be pissed off that your career is only in Nashville, right? And that you're not playing your own music; that you're just yeah playing these other songs. Yeah, then don't gripe. Like, yeah, that's your expectation. So, um, obviously, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of gray in between that too, um, because people. Uh, it's a it's a conniving business. It's a twisted business. There's a lot of people that get taken advantage of, right, in in music industry. Um, people with a lot of talent and promise get get twisted up in, uh, I don't know, just people they consider mentors or maybe like a, a bad record label contract. You know, you hear about people having to finish out their fourth record because like they promised the recording the the company that they would do four records with them, and they just make some like crap record as their fourth record for fun. Um, you know those kind of situations are are hard to uh, are hard to foresee, but because 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 when you're in, when you're in town as a new songwriter or a new artist, you're you want to take every opportunity you can get. Um, but uh, having grown up in Nashville, I mean, 
I have a, I have a foundation there. I have a support system, and that's made a huge world of difference because I don't feel like I have to. I feel like I'm still in my comfort zone in Nashville, Music City. Like a lot of the bars that we play at are two blocks from the high school that I went to, so I'm I'm always home, um, and that it, it always it, it's moving to think that every day someone is packing up their guitar with like 500 bucks and moving to Nashville and trying to make it. Um, that takes a lot of bravery. Is it hard seeing the people that pack up and head back home after that? The ones that don't make it? Not really. I mean, it's like, you know, you water off your back, you know, honestly, if you gave this, if you gave it a shot, like that's, that to me is good for the art. That to me is good for music. You don't want people not taking, taking chances in music. You know, you don't want people taking the easy route. You want people like pushing the gambit, pushing the limit and and uh, risking things for music because that that means that music still means a lot to people the fact that they would just uproot their life uh, uh, yeah move from who knows god knows where like oklahoma midwest whatever it, with no connection to anything and move to nashville with a dream that means that that dream is alive and well that's amazing um people are gonna fail i might fail <laughs> you know uh whoever's on top right now will might fail one day it, you know it like it, it happens. I mean, you get in everything. You get, think about like NBA stars, NFL stars. You get people who are at the top that end up being irrelevant one day or another. It just happens. Unless you're freaking Michael Jordan, you know, or LeBron James. Unless you unless you've changed the game, like we will all fade at some point. So, like, what's the best thing you can do in your short period of time? To and again, your definition of success during that. What can you What can you achieve and succeed? Um, and hopefully, side note, do some good in the world. And even if you fail, at least you can say that you tried at the end of the day. Oh, you don't yeah. want to be the guy that has a dream and had never tried to even give it a shot. Never went out of his way to see if he could even do it or or took a chance. You just had this thing and you never acted on it. That's always that's for me is always the saddest thing. Like it's it's like a I think it's like a trope in, you know, in movies. Like, you know, it's like, you know, old grandpa always loved to play the saxophone, but he just never did could it. never get off the farm, you know. Uh, and he still listens to, you know, like old, you know, jazz records now. Like, it's, you know, it's sad, right? But that trope is like definitely something that uh, my band and I fear. Like, we're like, no, we're never going to, we're never going to be that person. We're never going to be that person that said I didn't at least give something a shot, right? I think a lot of people fall into that is the scary thing. Because you have to imagine everyone has a dream. Everyone has one thing that they would, they would try to risk it all for. It's oh, yeah. just moving out of your comfort zone to actually give that a realistic shot that is the problem because if you got a job and you've got bills or you've got kids the prospect of doing something risky keeps going down you're like well no i can't uproot my life because i've got a mortgage i've got this car payment responsibilities I've got man. yeah i've got real things that i need to do and risking all that for this chance that i would want to take on myself just isn't feasible anymore that's why that's why everybody when I was when I moved back to Nashville I was hanging out in in some um at some uh some mentors uh like houses and studios and and I was just getting a vibe for like what my first few steps should be in the industry. And these guys are they are they have they own publishing uh companies, they're producers, they're studio owners, they're songwriters, uh you know, established. They mo most of them were my parents' friends or like uh parents of some of my peers. And every the you know the the overarching advice 
um, with every single person I met, regardless of whether or not they were in music, uh, was, hey, while you're young, take a shot. Because at, at some point, uh, I mean, that's, that is a, a, a valuable thing that you don't, you're not going to have later on. Right. And, and that comes with absolutely, um, I don't want to say lack of responsibility, but yeah, when you get older and you have, um, you have not only job, but you know, people to take care of, um, and, um, other things that are gonna, I guess, take up your energy and time. Um, yeah. While you're young, go for it. Uh, because down the road, you never know. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah, life has a funny way of of moving forward, no matter how hard you try to stay stagnant. <laughs> no you know, shit, man. it just keeps going. <laughs> Don't we all know? Uh, but you know, sometimes that's good. Sometimes, it ke- it, again, keeps you moving. It's got kind of like that machine you're talking about that just like pushes you forward. Like honestly, um, like I I, I have some comfort in that because uh, yeah, I, I I hope there are things that I look forward to down the road, and I. And I, you know, we build this career in order to achieve greater heights down the road. And we're hoping that, you know, what we're building eventually will become like, um, a house or a fucking jet plane or whatever it is that is taking us forward, you know, rocket ship. Um, and, uh, and so that, that progression of things, like, I I don't, I don't fear it, you know, age or mortality, because I think, you know, this, this movement that we're doing, like, there's there's something very certain at the end of it, right? And so I hope that I hope that in this period of time, it's almost like a test, it's almost like a challenge. It's like, what can you do? What what can you do with the time you've been given, right? That's the big thing. Yeah. What can you do with the time you've been given? Who knows? And you just don't want to be the person that squanders that at the end of the day. For sure, because yeah, I mean, I have plenty of songs like you know that are about how twenty you know hindsight's twenty twenty and it's like the nature of humanity like okay you look back it takes it takes time and closure and separation to look back and be like oh man I was wrong because uh, usually in the moment you think you were right um but I mean it, yeah it's just it's just human nature so that a lot of my songs are observe human nature and I hope that like not only can I learn from you know sharing that message or uh, or even better you know folks that come to our shows uh, feel that same way. And then we can you know, connect again. The shared human experience is what I'm kind of pushing um, on my next record. So. Well, again, I mean, it's, it is a crazy life to live when you're doing something that you love. Like that's all you can really ask for at the end of the day is to just, to just to try and chase what you're passionate about. I think that's what everybody wants. And for the people that take the risk and get there, it's, I can't imagine there's anything really quite like that. And well, yeah, but you got to get there. (laughs) That's the hard part is you got to, and most of the time to get there, you have to endure a lot of shit. Like you have to, you're going to struggle. It's going to suck sometimes, but it's all in pursuit of this thing that you care about. Yeah. I mean, that's why I keep my, my expectations pretty measured. I mean, uh, I have a, a very base level of where I where I would love to take the career, and if I can just get there, which I think is not too far away, if I can just get to that point, then I think I will look back and say, "I did, you know, we we did good, and we we, we I can call it a success because I determine what success is, and I if I think that's my level of success, then great. Um, anything beyond that, extra, love it. If we're if we 
if we reach heights that I didn't expect, amazing. That's a surprise. That's good, right? Much better than having set my sights on world domination and never getting anywhere. So, Do you think that's intrinsically tied to something like, be, you know, a career in music? Is you don't want to overshoot your expectations? You want to just almost take these incremental steps and then move it? It's definitely. I want to get here, and then I'm going to take the next one. It's definitely the nature of the way I operate, but I, I, I think that's just depends on the person, and and I think I think every business has has people that every business has folks that shoot for the stars and fall short, or just incrementally, you know, um, incrementally target their goals. It could, it could be anything. Uh, I that's just how I am. Pers- like that's my personality. So that's how I operate. Um, but I'm a safe kind of cautious human being, unless I've had whiskey, <laughs> which is almost every other day. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny hearing you say that because here you are doing something that most people would say is is a risk in yeah. some sense. Oh, totally, totally, man. I mean, shit, it beats bartending. What beats a lot of jobs, yeah. Beats working a desk for 40 years. Oh, heck hoping yeah. you can retire with something, absolutely. Not to, not to hate on people working at desks if you're listening to this, you know, it's all good. You yeah, it's all about figuring do. out what you want to do. If you want to work a desk job, great, yeah. But if you want to do something else and you're stuck in that position, it's it's a rough ride. I think, uh, after uh, a lot of the COVID bans lifted, that people were. Um, seeking more gratification, um, uh, just emotionally, spiritually, than and mentally than they were about uh, making a dime. Because I mean, so many of my buddies in the service industry, they uh, found other gigs and just were grateful for it because ultimately that meant they never had to go back to bartending or waiting tables or managing restaurants. They found gigs that they could work remotely, and I mean, before. Before 2020, uh, I only had a handful of friends that had the luxury of working from home. And it was like, it was like, it was mind blowing to me. I was like, wait, you're telling me that you can work like while you're traveling on vacation? Like, yeah, it's super easy. All I need is my phone and my laptop. And, you know, how quickly like people's mindset changes because like that was like a kind of a cool coveted thing. And then now everyone's like, I have to fucking work from home. Like I'm going to kill myself if I have to like, you you know, sit in my bedroom another day and work. I'm like. Like people, just be grateful for what you have. People, <laughs> Dang never it. enough. It's never not, enough. It's, it's always a moving goalpost. It's never enough. But, but seriously, like uh, the the folks that I guess have, you know, you still have restaurants these days everywhere that are like saying hiring now. You know, McDonald's is giving their workers like seventeen dollars an hour to, um, you know, five hundred dollars sign on bonuses just to come on and work for a month. You know, like, um, uh, it, it's it, it, folks have folks have definitely I think, um in that time, in that time frame where of, of the sheltering in place and the lockdowns, um, a lot of things changed, things changed in people's heads and for better or worse, I do think it is healthy for people ultimately to be wanting to work in something that is gratifying because that means they're going to do a better job of it. Um, not to say that folks who, um, who, who work in jobs where, you know, they are just making a dime, aren't doing a good job. Uh, means to an end jobs are always going to exist. Um, and I worked a means to an end job for many, many years. And I 
worked my ass off and I did a good job doing it and I was I was good at it and I could have done that the rest of my life. But um, I needed more something more of a challenge, I guess. That's that's the reason I took the risk. Well, I think COVID showed a lot of people that the world is a crazy place and that you are going to die someday. <laughs> and so if you're doing something that makes you miserable... You've wasted your time. you got to figure it out yeah, yeah. because the clock is ticking and you don't know exactly when it's going to ding. Yeah, yeah it, it definitely uprooted a lot of things. And again, I think for better or worse, for better or worse, if folks are seeking something that gratifies them, maybe it will create a change, um, not only in this nation, but worldwide that has a new organization of people's uh, skills and passions and and skills and passions are not sacrificed for uh, just money and paying rent. Sacrifices need to be made, but maybe maybe not those. You know, t- t- people have to sacrifice sacrifice work, sweat, blood, tears. Like that, th- that's going to happen. It's the human condition. We we suffer in order to gain sometimes. But um, if you're if you're sacrificing. Uh, I guess a dream, um, you know, the a proverbial dream. Uh, I would, I would ask yourself to say, to take a step back and say, is it really impossible to to do that dream and buy groceries and pay rent? Like, is it really impossible? Because, um, shit, we're doing it, doing it and loving it. Yeah, it's possible. You just got to get out of the mindset of it wouldn't be you. Everyone likes to say, oh, well, you know, the odds yeah. are stacked against you yeah. 10,000 to one. Like, do you really think you're going to be the one? Well, somebody has to be the one. Yeah. Because people do make it. Somebody has to be the one to make it. Sure. So you almost have to reframe that question instead of, do you think it's going to be you? Why not you? <laughs> yeah, right. And Because it's better to go through life thinking that than the alternative of, ah, oh, it's never going to work out for me. Right. Life's always just going to be in the drain. It, and there, there's, there's a, there's a, an area like a testing ground too of where I mean, almost every songwriter I know in Nashville has a side job. It's not like you just leave all your responsibilities behind one day and pick up a guitar and do that for the rest of your life and then hope that you ride that train as long as it goes. No, you, you know, you, you, you take on um, a certain amount of, of amount of time and resources that you apply towards that dream, but you. You don't give up the things that you don't give up your desk job. You don't give up your bartending gig. You have to you have to do something to supplement your dream. Um, you can't just wish on it, right? Yeah, you have to feed it. Yeah, you can't just hope it's going to pan out. No, you without have, that goes back to yeah. the whole you reap the seeds that you sow. Mm-hmm. You can't just sit there and hope. Oh, I'm going to you know be this great thing one day and not do any of the underlying work. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I. For for a long time, I mean, um, uh, bartending, um, you're you're only making money on the weekends, really. So, but that's when the shows are. So, yeah, for for about four or five years, I was missing a lot of my missing a lot of my friends' events, like shows and stuff. Missing a lot of showcases, industry events, um, and then taking as much time as I could in, on my days off to um, to to play out and to songwrite and all that. Um, Ultimately, one one last big point too about just artistry, I think, is um, I knew 
very early on that if I was working in an office, if I was working at a restaurant, if I was doing anything else besides music, that I would come home at the end of the day and I would pick up my guitar and I was still going to be playing music. So whatever that is to you, whatever your, your, your wish, your hope, your dream is like, I mean, you have to live in a certain realm of reality. You know, I mean, I wanted to play in the NFL, <laughs> but I'm five, six, bro. <laughs> Might be a bit of a challenge. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, man. <laughs> Don't shit on my dream. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I wanted to, I wanted to be an athlete, right? I wanted to be a sports star. Um, but like you have to live within a certain realm of reality. So like you have to be honest with yourself, right? Um, are there, are there aspects of your dream that there are, that have, that have limitations? Um, uh, and, and so the whole like chase your dream thing, like that's, that's bullshit. You have to, you have to supplement your dream and you have to feed it. Yes. But like. You you also really need to approach it with some some sense of reality. Um, you cannot expect the dream to manifest itself. Um, so uh, I would say that yeah, like you, absolutely, like you know, take take on take on like whatever ambitions that you have, like let them let them go crazy, like like let them create this world in your mind that you think is possible, and then and then like start to think about what is pot like what is actually possible like within your within your realm of control like what can i do to actually make this happen step one step two step three and then see how far you can take it um and hopefully end up with hopefully end up with something that is not only just uh like something that you can make a career out of but uh something that you learn from and something that helps inspire other people um but yeah i mean for years there man i was uh just 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 uh, coming home every day from from the bar from working, you know, one a.m. two a.m. and uh, I'd be picking up a guitar and playing. So uh, I was, I knew that I was inspired, right? And that's that's the first big step. Are you inspired by that dream? Yeah, I was, and I knew that in the back of my head, regardless of how old I was, I was going to come home and I was going to be writing songs and playing guitar. So that told me enough to say, okay, you know what? Maybe I should start taking a few more risks, right? Maybe I should, maybe I should. Um, Maybe I should take two weeks off from the restaurant and go, go play this tour where I'm not going to make any money, but at least, but I'm going to meet people. And sometimes you have to do that. Yeah. You have to eat the shit of, I'm not going to, you know, come out with a net positive, yeah. but I'll break even yeah. and I can just sustain until the next one and I'll break even on that one. And then eventually totally. I will get to the point where now I'm making money. It's exactly. It's profitable. It's exactly what, what you hope, you hope happens. Um, you, musicians get, artists get paid an exposure. A lot and um it's a it's a, it's a terrible terrible running joke you know that that the exposure is um is our currency now but honestly uh if you the most artists that i think have a have a decent following we all know that exposure is very powerful and sometimes as important as just a paycheck uh, so yeah, I mean, thank God for for the 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 bands like uh, Molly Tuttle, uh, American Aquarium, Brant Cobb, Jason Isbell, these guys that have let me open for them and uh, and try my stuff out and and on a on a crowd that knows better, you know, on a crowd that's there to see someone who's good at what they do and allow me to go up with a guitar and share my stories and 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 try it out and see what 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 the response is. Um, 
And that get, that has given us the um, the resources, but also the experience to come out here really far from home, thousands of miles from home, to a place we've never gigged into it before and to say, okay, can I sway these audiences? Can I can I give them a good enough experience to where they want to come back? Um, time will tell, but we've had a good run so far. Well, I'm excited to see what happens for you, man. Thanks, I think man. you're I think you're out here putting in some serious work. Yeah. I'm excited to see where that goes. Right on. Um do you want to plug your stuff where people can find you, where they can find all the tour information? Yeah. Grab some tickets. Yeah, totally. So the website is the website where you can find pretty much everything merch, uh, tour information, bio, um, all upcoming news is Gabe Lee uh, TN.com. So it's Gabe Lee L E E T N dot com. And um, we love when folks follow our bands in town. Bands in town's great for figuring out um, uh, really it's it's great for us because like for, for most folks who follow bands in town, it's like kind of an extra email in their inbox. But for us, it gives us metrics. So it tells us the uh, ticket click links and it tells us how many pre-sales are happening at such and such venue. So it really does help artists out bands in town. Um, and then, you know, the Instagram, Spotify, Apple, uh, and Facebook, all those, all those, uh, platforms where you can follow us and listen to us um are helpful as well um obviously for for their own uh for their own spoken reasons um but yeah so we're we're uh, as far as i know i mean the rest of this year we've got a bunch of great dates we will be out here briefly again in camino california um i hope to be back more and more often um i'm trying to make this my life so uh anywhere you hear uh of uh of Anywhere you hear of uh, my my tour coming through or bands that I'm affiliated with, please support the uh, venues that are that are having us. Um, support our music, buy our merch. Um, yeah, Mr. Gabe Lee is the handle on most of my socials. So, okay, well, Gabe, this was a lot of fun, man. Heck yeah, I really appreciate you coming on. What a blast chatting with me. We'll uh, we'll definitely have to do this again next time you're rolling through. Maybe oh, I'd we'll love break to out do the whiskey. A, heck yeah, I'd love to do a rehash and see where we are in a, yeah. in a year or two. It'll right. be fun. Heck yeah, man. Thank you. All right. Uh, Gabe Lee, you're awesome, man. Hopefully people will check out your site, kick up some vinyl. Uh, it was a lot of fun, man, really. Right back at you. Thank you, man. Thank you.